nine people. Uh, and she, uh, she's gone to be with the Lord, uh, which is amazing. Uh, and to see her, uh, her faith in, in that time was awesome as well. And she actually scouted out the land before. We sent her to, to um, uh, Kennebunk a year before. She was up there in the uh, assistant living home. And she helped someone become a Christian uh, that year, right before she kind of, uh, you know, started declining. Um, she called up one of her friends that was studying the Bible that she helped become, you know, to, to study the Bible. And she said, how come you haven't been baptized yet? Now, keep in mind, this woman she was calling was 85 years old. She's like, it's been hard to make a decision and think through things. And, and she's like, well, you know what? You're getting older. So you got to make this decision quick. You can't be like those young people, you know, just taking all their time, thinking that you don't have a lot of time, Missy. And then she hung up the phone. And, you know, at that point, Sharon, my, my mother-in-law, wasn't the most uh, cordial on the phone. Um, but, man, that did it. She called the church down in, Mass in Massachusetts where she was. She was like, I need to get in the waters of baptism. If that wasn't God, I don't know what was. And uh, so many amazing memories. 2,920 days of, of being here in Maine, uh, or even more, serving in this amazing state. Um, wow, I just praise God. I'm so thankful that I get to be a part of that. Amen. And to see what all uh, you guys have done to enrich my life spiritually, but also to help my family. You know, it's, it's amazing, like, you know, to see um, Ezra and Tim the other day had a little Bible study <coughs> with my son in the other room. And just thinking, my son was so young when he was come up here. And, uh, Man, he wasn't even born. Yeah. And Noah was just a little baby. It's, it's nostalgic. <laughs> I'm getting verklempt. Um, and uh, I just praise God. And it is because of this gospel that we get to uh, celebrate today. Amen? Amen. And uh, we get to celebrate his love in our life and the incredible ability to serve the king. Um, I had a couple of successes this last week, and a buddy of mine used to be the coach at UMass Boston with me. I played basketball there. He said, don't be a sinister minister. Keep humble. He said, don't be a sad see, sad you see, sad you see. Be somebody who stays humble, and he said he encouraged me with that. And I texted him back, I don't even deserve to be a slave in God's kingdom. Amen. And I feel that. Uh, I'm grateful that I get to uh, share with you a great message of the gospel today. Um, so let's turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to talk about the good news. That's our theme for the fall, the good news. And I don't know about you, but I love good news. Don't you love good news? Amen. You know, what do you want first, the bad news or the good news? You, that's, that's an interesting person. You can find out a lot when they say, give me the bad news first. Or, hey, I need encouragement. Give me the good news first, and then I'll deal with the bad news. We're all different. But you know what? We always love the good news, right? The bad news we'll deal with, but the good news is needed, right? And um, what I want to ask the ushers to do, actually, is, is to hand out these little prayer cards um, to everyone. 
And I just wanted to get your, you know, if you want, your info. Um, it says, what can we pray for you about? And if there's something that we can pray for you about, we'd love to. Um, obviously, don't feel compelled to have to do it, but we'd love to reach out to you. And it also says, you know, if you'd like to learn more about our events, uh, we'd love that. And, um, and it, after, you know, this message, if you'd like to read the Bible with someone, we would love that. Um, that helped me tremendously. So I want to hand this out to you so you can have it. Um, and then we'll pick it up at the end of the message. Uh, we we want to make sure that we stay in touch with you. And, um, and and I want to tell you a little story about my son, Manny. He's my youngest son. He is the most exuberant boy you've ever met. He's full of life. He comes into my room today. He's like, I'm going to give my favorite dad, my favorite man, three kisses right now. And he comes and gives me kisses. And then he grabs my little puppy, or not, she's big now, grabs her by the face and gives her three kisses. And then gives mom like a million kisses. My son just lives his heart on the sleeve, right? You know what he thinks, you know what he feels. And so him keeping a secret is very challenging. You know, when he, gives, when he gets the good news, it's hard for him not to share it. And we've gotten in trouble many Christmases and birthdays because of this. <laughs> so we not only have to sh- stop talking, don't tell Manny what Josh is going to get for his birthday. Because he'll just spill the beans. He's trying not to, but he's like, oh, I know something you don't know. And then Josh is like, what is that? <laughs> You're going to get an Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he, you know, just gets so excited. On Christmas, it was so hard, we, we, we were tempted to punish him because he was telling everyone their gifts. He's like, Dad, you're getting a sweater right now. And he would ruin the surprise on us. But of course, you can't do that, right? You can't punish someone on Christmas for something like that. Um, there was a story like that in Matthew chapter 9. Today's message is called the Universal Gospel, 3000 at Pentecost. But there was a story about um, two men that got healed by Jesus. And I don't know about you, they got got healed of their sight. They were blind, and they got healed of their sight. And mind you, this is a hard command of the Lord. This is one of the hardest commands, I think, in all the Bible that God gave, Jesus gave, to these two blind men. He says, then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. Now, how are they going to do that? How are they not going to tell people that they can see? Right. You imagine if you knew this blind guy, and he's like, his eyes are wide open, and they're moving. He's like, how is he, what happened? Tell me what happened. How are you able to see? I don't know, you know. I was blind, but now I can see. Very difficult. Can I get an amen on that? It says, but they went out and deliberately disobeyed Jesus and spread the news about him all over the region. See, I understand not telling your, you know, you got to tell your mom and your dad. They've been living with you as a blind person all your life. And so maybe tell your close friends, And, you know, I think Jesus would accept that. But he said, don't tell people. He warned them sternly. Don't tell anyone about this. 
but they had such good news, they had to spread it throughout the region. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Jesus, help me see my, I can see now. And why did Jesus not tell them to tell anyone? It's interesting. Don't spread the good news. Don't tell people about this. Well, because it was encumbering his travel. You know, he wasn't able to go about the regions. So he had to go out to lonely places after that because people coming out to him from everywhere and it was stopping his ministry. The preaching of God's word was stopping Jesus's ministry. Does that make any sense? But that's how good the news was. You know, what if Jesus warned you, don't tell anyone about the good news that you heard. Don't tell anyone that you've been redeemed. Don't tell anyone that I've changed your life. Don't tell anyone, as the song goes, that angels has written your name Mm. in heaven. Would you be able to obey? Mm. Hopefully you wouldn't be like, you got it, Jesus. I'm going to obey you. I won't tell anyone about it. You know, it's funny how that is. That when you have good news, you can't, like, man, you can't keep it to yourself. You're like, ah, what's wrong with him? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He rose on the third day. And you can live forever. Yeah. It's hard to keep that in, isn't it? Amen. You know, and, and Satan somehow tries to trick us into thinking we should hold that in. But I want to say this. The Bible says Be like a child, right? So be like Manny. Spill the beans. Spill the beans. You know, an Xbox One isn't as great as eternal life. Amen? And so I want to encourage you. This universal gospel, as we speak really uh, briefly today about it, the universal gospel, I want to talk to you about that. This amazing gospel that is the only thing that's going to save the world. What I mean by universal... You know, we, we, we've, we've heard the USB port, right? Yeah. USB port and computers. Yeah. Or the USB memory card, right, thing, or the little, little thumb drive. You can put it into any computer, and it reads it, right? It's universal. What does universal mean? It means existing everywhere and involving everyone. Wow. Why don't you write that down? Mm-hmm. Existing everywhere... And involving everyone, the gospel is universal. It's to everyone. You ever hear someone say, yeah, that church thing, that gospel thing, that's not for me. You don't know me. I'm skeptical. You don't know me, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm a real sinner. I've heard that before as I share my faith with people. You don't even know, you know. I've done some bad things. You know, people say that, and, and they kind of smile, but inside they don't feel worthy. That's how I felt. I felt like, how could I be a Christian? Because I'm not even close to being a Christian right now when I was 18. There was a kid in my school named Brett Paya. You guys heard about Brett Paya? He had a big wooden cross around his neck in high school, and he just said, he told everyone, I love you. And he was so happy all the time. And he would just tell people, he would laugh at people's jokes. Now, he never shared his faith with anyone, but he was super happy and nice to everyone and never cheated and gave away his lunch money 
and was so nice to everyone. And I was like, if I have to be like Brett Payer, I have no hope of being a Christian. Because I'll never be like that. I can't be nice. I'm not naturally nice. I'm nat- not naturally someone who follows the rules. I'm not naturally someone who, who, who does everything right. Most of the time, I do a lot wrong. I can't do it. But the gospel is universal. It's for every person, every language, every single type of background, every demographic. People that are uh, same-sex attracted need the gospel. People that are, are opposite the opposite, uh, attracted to the opposite sex, they need the gospel. Black, white, and everything between. Amen? Amen. It's universal. It's for everyone. It exists everywhere. It involves everyone. Wasn't Christianity an American religion? I've heard people say that. You know, I'm into the Eastern religions. I'm like, you know what? Christianity is an Eastern religion, man. Did you know that? Oh, I thought it started with Billy Graham, you know? No, no, no. Way before that. Let's go to uh, 1 Timothy chapter. If you're already in Acts 2, uh, you can just read this passage. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. Stay in Acts 2. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants some people? All people. The people with like 100 tattoos on their body? Yes. The people that done things they never thought they would ever do? The prison people, the, the murderers, everyone. Yes, all people, all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's God's heart. They're all his children. You know, in every single country, they're all his children. What about ISIS? Yes. You know, everyone. For there is one God. Amen. Amen. And one mediator between God and mankind. The man, Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people, even the people that never will come to him. He gave himself as a ransom. You know, even if you never come to church again, he's happy to die for you. He's happy to give his blood for you. Isn't that amazing? My first point is God wants all people. God wants all the people. He wants all people. Amen? And sometimes, I don't know, I, I, I think as Christians we can forget that. Yeah. I think as Christians sometimes we can think that someone's not open. And that surprises us. Well, you know, they're belonging to that group of people, so they're not open. You know, they're, they're skeptical. Well, that can't be open. You know, if we heard everyone's stories around, he went down and we told, everyone told their stories, you'd be amazed. I was studying with this amazing, beautiful sister, and she was telling me how she used to go to the main mall and steal things from other people and, and you know, take stuff, and then they'd go away in the getaway car and sell it. And I'd be like, <laughs> and I was like, Wow. I never would have thought that. I was shocked. But you know, everyone has a story. Everyone has a background. Talk to Charlie. Amen? Just talk to Charlie. It was funny. We were at a a birthday party, 
And Charlie and Heather kind of went to the same school, and they were like, I think we used to party together. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and if you would have said, you know, I would have been a co-Christian. You never, I was throwing, I was flicking gum in Spanish class in people's hair. <laughs> Me and this guy would flip gum in people's hair, and we were super good at it. <laughs> they wouldn't notice. My record is to get 20 pieces of gum in someone's hair. <laughs> See? That guy become a Christian? That guy preaching right now? He wants all people. He wants all people. He wants all people. Amen? All people. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. God can't save me. I'm too ruined. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, Jesus can. I might not be able to, but God's arm is long. Very long. And his ear is attuned to our prayers. But we all have a problem. You know why the gospel's for everyone? It's because all of us sin. All of us sin. We all have the same issue. We have a holy God that died for us. We all want to get to heaven. I mean, who doesn't want to get to heaven? I haven't met many people like, I don't want to get to heaven. One guy said that to me. I said, you're lying. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You don't want to get to heaven? Where do you want to go? I just want to, I don't care. I'm just going to go to the ground. I'm like, well, go, well to the ground you'll go then. But I think you're lying to yourself. I don't think you believe it's real. That's why you've just accepted that. We're the ones that don't accept that. Because Jesus rose up from the dead. But how are we going to get there? Well, we have to knock down the wall that separates us between God and man. It says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. The ransom that Jesus has given us allows us to knock down that wall, amen? What's a ransom? A sum of money or other payment demanded or paid for the release of a prisoner. Do you know you're a prisoner before Jesus? I guess I'm in the prison ministry because everyone's a prisoner out there. I don't have to go to a penitentiary to, to say people are slaves of sin. They are. We all have one issue. In China, they're slaves of sin. In Africa... They're slaves of sin, you know? The Eskimos, they are slaves of sin. You know, America, I don't even mean to say we're slaves of sin. Just watch a reality TV for 15 minutes, and you'll see it. You know, I'm, we're going to look at uh, an amazing group of people that came from all the different nations. So let's go to Acts chapter 2. If you're not there already... We're just going to read about these 3,000 at Pentecost. Who are these guys? These Pentecostians. Now, Pentecostals. Pentecostals. No. Um, who are these people? We're going to read a, a chunk of scripture here. Hopefully, it's helpful. Verse 1, chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. I'll give some sound effects. Right? 
came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that, separ- that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every, what did it say, church? Nation. Nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, uh, residents of Macedonia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Frangia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Cyrene near, uh, Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, said, ah, ah, ah. They made fun of him and said they had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews of all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Everybody knows. That's impossible. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heavens above and signs on earth below. Blood, fire, bills of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness. The moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone... Amen? Amen. Let's say that again. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. And let's stop right there. So what's going on here? Basically, there is a festival called Pentecost. It's 50 days after the Passover. Okay? And penta, meaning, you know, five or 50. 50 days after is when originally Moses went up to Mount Sinai and was given the Old Covenant, or the Law, as the Bible says in the Old Testament. And this was the Old Covenant. And it is fitting, amen, that Pentecost is the birthday of God's covenants, and essentially the anniversary of it. Every year they would celebrate, thank you Jesus, thank you God, or Yahweh, for giving us this law. And now this is the time when the New Covenant is given, amen? It's interesting that the new covenant now is giving. What is a covenant? It's, a, it's, a, it's an agreement between two parties. If you do this, I'll do this. Right? And essentially, all nations were there. And Look at all the nations that were here. It's pretty amazing. You got, this is about 1,500 miles. Isn't that amazing? That these people traveled. These pretty, pretty devout people, weren't they? Imagine saying, hey, Charlie, you want to go to church service? Yeah, sure, let's go. We just need to get on camel, travel a thousand months. You in? Now, Charlie, knowing Charlie, he'd say, yes. I love camels. Man, we'd have some serious talks in that camel ride. You know what I mean? 
But essentially, these guys were so devoted, they traveled so far, they all had one thing in common. They did love God. They were Jews, right? But they were from different nations. And it's interesting, obviously, after that, in Acts chapter 10, the Gentiles, everyone got to hear, not just the Jews, but everyone. And we understand now that there's more Gentiles in the church than Jews. You know, we, we, we pray for the people that gave us the word of God. Those Jews, we're grateful for them. Amen. Um, and, and they can still hear God's word. Yeah. But look at all these different nations. Crete, shout out to my, you know, my brother John Hertakis. Uh. <laughs> bro, were you, born, were you born there, bro? I was. <laughs> John Hertakis, born in Crete, guys. <laughs> That gives you a little understanding of him. (laughs) He is amazing. He's an amazing brother. But, you know, every nation under heaven, Rome, they travel. Asia, you know, this is more like Turkey, Pancha, Cappadocia, all these different nations. They didn't speak the same language, but they heard the same gospel. And this was an analogy of what's going to come, guys. What's happening right now. Because every single day is the day of Pentecost around the world. We might not be all together in one place, but all these different languages are being spoken, amen? Amen. And people are hearing the gospel, and they're being changed. It's amazing. I remember going to Europe, uh, and I got the opportunity to, to lead a church out in Europe in Albania, and I got the opportunity to go to Budapest often and share my faith in Hungarian is a very difficult language, a different language. It's super difficult. It's one of the most complicated ones to learn. And I didn't, I, I was, okay, go share your faith out there. Go, just figure it out. I was like, well, is, wait, do I have a translate? No, no, just smile, hand them the card. You know, they love Americans. Some of them do, don't. Some of them do. Hopefully you find the people that do. <laughs> so I'm going around... And I knew a couple words, you know. See ya, see ya. Kusinem. And I hand the people the invitations. And it was a pretty good invite. It was for, it was for a, a the, the World Cup was happening at the time. And there was going to be a men's day with uh, playing of the World Cup. So it was pretty easy to invite people to this, right? So I'm inviting people. And I didn't know a word of Hungarian. And I just gave the invitation to a bunch of people. A week later, three people came that they knew me. And I had to follow up. The way I followed up with them is I called them, and then I had a Hungarian speak to them. Oh, hold on a second. (laughs) Are they coming? Hold on a second, bro. Yes, they are. Okay. And then I got to see two of them come to Jesus. You know, Hungary is a a place that has, obviously, they were under, they were atheists there. You know, then I went to Albania, and it was 60, 70% Muslim there. And to see, right, the, the, that country was amazing. This, I got to be in studies in all the different languages in Europe, and, and we, I saw the cross done in so many different languages. And every time I saw people just crying, being moved by this God that would die for them. And I realized the gospel is universal. 
The gospel is for everyone. In every nation, every person, every type of person. Amen? Amen. That's the first point that's so important so that you can build your faith that God wants all people to have that wall of sin knocked down. Amen? Amen. Let's keep going. Amen? The gospel saves you. Amen? That's why it's for everyone. Everybody wants to be saved. The gospel saves you. Let's read here in verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. I love how he says this. Maybe I should start my sermons like that. Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Jesus did more miracles than any other prophet that ever lived in any religion. Do you know that? We don't talk a lot about that. You know, not to bash any other prophets, but there's no, it's it's no contest. What about Moses? No contest. Moses didn't rise people from the dead. A guy who was four days old, Jesus, who was smelling, okay, that's kind of gross, but he was stinking, okay? He was decaying. And Jesus called him out of the tomb. His name was Lazarus, and he came out. And the Pharisees hated it so much, those hard-hearted Pharisees. They wanted to kill Lazarus because he was was such a great testimony to God about Jesus. There were times where Jesus would say, go, she's healed. Doesn't even have to be there, guys. Doesn't even have to touch the person. Are you kidding me? It says from that very moment, he, he, he or she was healed. My favorite miracle of all, you want me to tell my favorite miracle of Jesus? Is the coin in the fish. I love that one. They were like, hey, you need, don't, doesn't your disciples pay taxes to, to Rome? And Peter's like, yes, Jesus pays taxes. So he goes back, he's like, I don't know, I don't have no money, so I got to go back to Jesus and figure this out. So he went back to Jesus, walks into the room, and Jesus says, do the sons have to pay, uh, if they're royalty, the tax of the king? This is the temple tax. Just, he knew exactly what was going on. He saw the conversation. That's weird, isn't it? Sometimes Jesus freaked people out all the time with that kind of miraculous power. He said, go fish, and out will come two drachmas and pay the temple tax for you and me. Peter's like, okay. Drops the line, and boom, fish comes out, coin in the fish's mouth. That's super cool, isn't it? I try to do that now, but it don't work. But you know, Jesus was able to do that. You know, it was like that with Jesus. He calmed the waves and the winds. He said, shh. He could have said to Hurricane Florence, shh. Man, imagine that, Hurricane Florence coming, and Jesus on Wilmington's shore, North Carolina, and just says, be quiet. And it's all stilled. That's the kind of power Jesus had. Of course, Jesus walked on water, and he helped Peter walk on water. So many signs. He was accredited by God. He was saying, look at this man. And the best miracle of all was he rose from the dead. 
He rose from the dead. You know, I'll believe someone who rises from the dead over any other philosophy. Amen. You know, there's cool philosophies out there and there's a lot of cool stuff that we hear. I really like Buddhism. I think it's a great, it's very connected to uh, even the way we should think as disciples. That the love of, of, of things is the root of all suffering. I believe that. I believe that's true. Jesus said, your, your life doesn't consist of the abundance of your possessions. Right. Amen? But being rich towards God. Yeah. But my Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. And I'm going to believe the guy that rose from the dead over anybody else. I don't know. I think that's just logic to me. Where's his body? You know, there's a lot of tombs. David's tomb is, there, is in place. Muhammad's tomb is in Mecca. So many different tombs. But where's Jesus' tomb? He doesn't have one. For a reason. It says verse 23, This man was handed over you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, verse 23, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead. Freeing from the agony of death. Church, you know you're freed from the agony of death? Just let that sink in. The agony of death. There's an agony of death that we're freed from. And just like Jesus, we'll be freed from the agony of death. Because he went first, amen? Amen. Because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. You know, every time I go to church, I drive by Hobbs' funeral home. And, you know, and I, I've unfortunately been at a number of funerals. I'm sure people in that area have. And I just, I smile as I go by. Because I say sometimes, you and I are going to go out of business when Jesus comes back. Hobbs' funeral home, not going to have any job. And neither am I, the minister. I'm not going to have a job either. Doctors are not going to have jobs. No one's going to have jobs. Because it's impossible for death to hold us. Amen? Amen. It's impossible for death to hold Jesus. Death tried to grab Jesus. And he was like, come on now. Get off of me. You know? I did a more Marvel comic kind of situation there. I don't know how it actually went down. But it was impossible for death, they'll get all, and if we follow him, it's impossible for death to keep a hold on us. Amen. David said to him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at right, my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made him known to the past of life. You filled him with the joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, David he was speaking of, and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would be placed in descendants on his throne. Seeing what was come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah. That's deep. How did this fisherman get all this knowledge, by the way? Just think about that for a second. Go down to the dock and say... Preach to me, fishermen. What do you think they're going to say back to you? One day, that'd be funny, huh? Go down there. Now, I'd love to see a fisherman preach. Wouldn't it be great? But they'd probably say, what are you talking about? I fish. I don't preach. Again, this fisherman had great knowledge from God. Where did he get it from? Verse 31. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, 
that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God raises Jesus to life. And this is what brings me chills. You know what I'm saying? Chills down my spine. And we are all witnesses of it. Another version say witnesses of the fact. To Peter, Jesus rising from bed was a fact. It wasn't like belief. You think the apostles, oh, they got such great faith. No, they don't. I mean, they do, but they don't. It's easier for them to believe. Why? Because they saw and they ate for 40 days with the Messiah Christ after he was risen. The Bible says in Acts 1, he gave many convincing proofs. Thomas, the hard-headed guy that he was, he's like, I need to touch his side. Because he was spear-poked in the side. And I'm going to touch his side, or I'm not believing. Nope. Not going to believe. They're like, we've seen him. You've seen him. No, that was a phantom. I'm not going to believe that. (coughs) Silly stuff. Right when he said that, Jesus walked in. Locked door, walked in. Said, look, touch me. Touch my hands. Touch my side. Stop doubting, believe. He fell down. Thomas didn't really need that, did he? They did touch him, though. They They did hug him. They did eat with him. Imagine eating with the resurrected Messiah. So you can eat, huh, Jesus? Are we going to have, are we going to, you know, how many questions did they ask him? Wasn't that be cool? What was it like down there, man? What did you see? Well, how did Peter talk about how he preached in the, 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 down in the time of Noah's age to the people down there? How did he know that? He asked them. So who would you see down there? Someone was like, did you see Satan? You know, they think he's down there. No, he's not anywhere there. He's still around here. Oh, okay. Well, who'd you see then? Well, I saw a lot of dead people. I saw the people back in Noah, and I preached to them that I've come. They must have been bright-eyed. They asked him a lot of questions. Okay, enough questions, enough questions. This is what you guys need to do. And then he ascended to heaven. They saw him. Imagine saying, hey, Lenny, let's go visit someone who witnessed the Messiah's resurrection. You want to come? That's what I would do. Bring your neighbor day. Find some, the guy who saw Jesus raised from the dead. Do you know how many people would be there? Whoa. That was pretty fired up. There was 500 that saw him at the same time, 1 Corinthians 15 says. Why would you believe in a dead man raising from the dead? It's pretty stupid. Isn't it stupid? And then to die for that lie? To die for that silly belief? I don't have that much faith in either of these people. The only reason I believe is because all of them died for their faith except one. And to me, that's powerful. They died in poverty. They died with their wives being killed. They died because they knew something greater was going to come. And it was worth it to them. The word for witness is also martyr. You know, maybe they heard, and you will be my martyrs. To the ends of the earth. In first in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Imagine hearing that. Get fired up, church. You're gonna be the martyrs. That's not the best message there. But they said, Yes, we will. That's the privilege of seeing the resurrected Christ. You have to be a witness. Verse 33, exalted to the right hand of God, he was received from the Father promise of the Holy Spirit, and he poured out what you see and hear. 
For David did not ascend to heaven. And he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool of your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, when the thousands of people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people that day from all over the nations, were baptized. Amazing. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Imagine seeing that. You know, the gospel's for everyone. Amen? Amen? The gospel saves you, it saves me, it saves everyone. And these are the things that, that Peter said. He, first, they heard the good news, and that first part was the good news. Jesus died deliberately by the Father's plan so that we could be ransomed of our sin. That's rough to be Jesus. Deliberate plan of the Father. But Jesus said, sign me up because I love Glenn, even though he's throwing gum in people's hair in Spanish. <laughs> I love that guy. Then they believe in Jesus being Lord in Christ and the fact that they crucified him. This is the one thing I didn't realize, that because of my sin, I crucified Jesus. You know, I just felt like someone who fired a gun and killed someone by accident. I didn't want to kill him. He's awesome. But because of our sins, we had, we were part of, we were responsible for his crucifixion. Right. Which is not meant to guilt you out. It's meant to show you how much God loves you. Right. Because Jesus didn't have to take the bullet. Right. He could have stopped the bullet. Right. But he let the bullet. He let the cross get him. This is what cuts to the heart. It's not a cutting of the heart of, oh man, we feel guilty, feel bad, stop sinning. It's, wow, I don't even know this guy. Why did he die for me? Really? Who loves me more than Jesus? Who loves you more than Jesus? Well, my mom. Did your mom die for you? Who loves you more than Jesus? Well, my dad. Would your dad die for you? Even though you never, never may praise him ever in your life. There are many people that will never thank Jesus for it. And yet he's like, you know what? Just the chance that I could see Glenn. Just the sprinkling of a chance that he would say yes to that invitation to church when he was 18 and study the Bible. I remember studying the Bible and realizing that Jesus died for me. I was cut to the heart. I was cut to the heart. I said, you know what? If he did this for me, what can I do for him? And I said, sign me up. And I sang the song. I, could, I tried. To, I said I wasn't going to talk about it. But I couldn't keep it to myself. I literally said I wasn't going to talk about it. The first Bible study, I hid my Bible like I always say to people. My basketball buddies were coming by. You should have seen the fear in my eyes. First Bible study with these guys. All of them have their Bible. One guy had this huge, like, study Bible. It was like, 
on the table. You know what I mean? I had this little old nasty five five dollar Bible. You know, my five dollar Bible, and I put it on the table. Hey, what are you doing? Is that the Bible, Glenn? <laughs> I said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I couldn't keep it to myself. Once I learned, couldn't keep it to myself. Then I repented, changing my mind. You know, repentance doesn't mean perfection. It just means, you know what, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to make him Lord. I'm going to surrender my life to him. You know what, and it's the best thing that I ever, I ever did. I was messing my life up most of the time anyways. Someone asked me, Glenn, how are you doing with your life right now? How's it going as the CEO of your life? We're in the red. We are. I was not feeling great about the way I was dealing with it. So why don't you let someone else be CEO? Why don't you let someone else take over? And ever since then, wow, this company has grown. In great ways. And last but not least, the easiest thing to do is be baptized. And for some reason, it's the scariest for people. You know? My stepmom was scared of the water. Literally. She had a fear of being, of drowning. And so, she, she, her getting baptized was a big deal for her. She was fighting the sisters, not meaning to. But she just reacted. And she was like, no, 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 yes, yes, no, 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 yes, yes, yes. And she went in the water and was baptized. My dad got baptized the same day, and he slipped, slammed his shoulder. He can't raise his hand to this day up here because of that baptism. And I'm like, Dad, I'm so sorry. Some, a chiropractor tried to, like, uh, you know, adjust right after the baptism, try to help, you know, this amazing woman, Karen, helped uh, my dad. And I said, Dad, I'm so sorry that happened. We should have had a towel down. He goes, you know what? Every time I lift my arm, I remember. You got to go through many trials to enter the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) My dad's wicked awesome. He's awesome, you know. He's He's grateful for it. It makes me remember my baptism when I do this. Now, amen. Hopefully, we'll have a safe baptism. But I got baptized in the Metropolitan Museum Water Fountain in New York City. It was three people there, and it was beautiful. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever done. And I went in that water, and I said, keep me down longer, because I got a lot of sin. <laughs> and I just looked up, and I felt peace, and I came out. And the Bible says that I have received the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says I received the forgiveness of sins. And the Bible says I received the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of us think we got to... Get it right before you get baptized. The truth is, God makes you right, and then you get it right after baptism. The only thing he requires is to change your mind. Really what that means is, I'm going to listen to Jesus over listening to myself. Because he's right and I'm wrong. You have that heart, you're ready to be baptized. You know, someday, God says and he prophesies, there will be a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they'll be wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out aloud, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I'd like to ask if you could pass these back to the ushers. Fill it out quick. 
we would love to get them. But the thing I'm thinking about is that I just want to ask you, are you going to be in that number? I want you to be in that number so badly. I, I, I know you want to be a part of that number. It's a really exciting thing to be a part of that number. And I want to, if you would like to learn more about to be a part of that number, please talk to someone who, who brought you. Please talk to someone who, who you know. And maybe get coffee and talk. Coffee talk. And talk about being a part of that number. I'm so grateful that eight years we've been able to talk about the universal gospel. And don't we have a, a, a pretty diverse group right here of people? I love that about our church. We got a very diverse group of people. And it happened naturally. It's not like we're, okay, let's go to this group, this is that group. It's natural because the gospel reaches everyone. Amen? Amen. Let us remember. Let's be like Manny and not keep a secret. Let's be like Manny who just bursts with zeal to tell people the gifts that they have waiting for them. They just haven't opened it yet. Let's be like Manny and spill the beans because it's universal for everyone. Amen.